Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here at IndyStar.com and the IndyStar app. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, the star of the show, as always, IndyStar sports columnist, award winner, Greg Doyle. Good to see you, man. I, I just feel like, unfortunately, it's been almost like not a hiatus per se, because we did one two weeks ago, but we've kind of been on again, off again here because you went away, I went away. And we're not that far removed from the holidays. It'll be nice to kind of, I think, consistently get in a groove again where people can expect this every single week. Well, not only did we not have a podcast last week, but I didn't hear from you. And given your recent track record, I thought maybe the star had laid you off from our podcast. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> wait, has you been laid off from this too? God. You've been laid off uh, from jobs you don't even have. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, from what I understand, like McDonald's says, you can't work for us anymore. Derek's like, I didn't know I worked for you. Well, you yeah. don't, but you never will. I'm so sorry. Is it still too soon? I- no, it's good now. It's almost been a full month, so I think we've kind of reached the uh, the time where it's it's okay to joke about. Um, okay. but But honestly... This is something that I've really been looking forward to ever since I got back because there's just so much going on right now. And, you know, obviously I don't have the daily or weekday daily outlet that I used to have. So I really looked forward to doing this next edition of the podcast because, like I told you um, off the air here, we got so much stuff to talk about, man. I feel like uh, I, don't, I don't know if you guys still say this in the paper biz. Wasn't it 1A topics? Because if something would appear on page 1A, did you guys ever was that ever a newspaper jargon thing when you were around? Um, I don't know jargon, but we'd say A one, not or A one. Okay, maybe, maybe that's what I. We was might say above of. the fold. We might just say, "Wow, there's three or four topics that Doyle needs to address, but he can only get to one, so we'll let everybody else." No, I don't know. All I know is this: Purdue owns Indiana in basketball, and that is our number five topic. Yeah, and not because Purdue owning Indiana, we're trying to hide it. Not because Purdue's Purdue, and we don't care about little brother. None of that. It's just there's stuff going on. And no, that's, for a, sure. that's a big topic, and it's not. We're going to get to that later, but not right now. What are we getting to right now? I think we got to lead with the Bob Knight stuff. Got to leave Bob Knight. I, I think we got to leave with Knight just because I know that it's a couple of days removed from his much anticipated return to Bloomington. And the, the cat was out of the bag, what would you say, Greg? Like really Tuesday of last week. And I think there was speculation after the Ohio State game thing didn't happen that it wasn't a matter of if, but when coach Knight would return to Bloomington you were there um I was watching from afar in Florida actually at the Tampa airport um but what what was your main takeaway from Bob Knight's emotional return to Bloomington after almost 20 years well the cat was actually put just so you know how the sausage is made um when Ohio State thing didn't happen IU people were I mean they told me and I'm sure I wasn't the only one that it's going to happen the Purdue game in a month you know, keep it under your hat. We don't want to spook him away and scare him away, but he's we're going to honor the 1980 team, and he'll he'll be back then. So people like me have known for a month, but it's kind of our obligation, duty, whatever, to not spook it. You know, there's some scoops you want, and there's some scoops you're like, no, no, I want it to happen. So, mm-hmm. so whoever leaked it, shame on you, whoever you are, but it didn't scare him away. Um, I will tell you that I didn't because I'm sitting up. This is weird. I'm up in my seat, which is about 25 rows up. And I tried to get down on the court level. About 30 seconds left in that first half. I tried to get down on the court level because I want to get real close. I want to see his eyes. I want, is he crying? I want to see it. Mm-hmm. They had You couldn't move. Like, they weren't letting you walk down on the court. It was almost like the president was on the court. You you can't. I'm like, I'm at the media. And I got to go to the media room. Not at halftime, you don't. Okay. So, I say that, preface this, that I didn't realize he actually shoved or went after Dick Vitale. I didn't real. I thought that was playful. And so I wrote, he playfully, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he went after Dick Vitale. Did you see that? Oh, wait. That wasn't playful? No, that wasn't playful. Knight said that it wasn't? Who, who said that it wasn't playful? Vitale? I, I, I watched it on TV. I, I watched the oh, highlight. So you... Oh, there was no chance that was playful. 
unless Knight is such a great actor that he's going to give him that stone cold death stare as he kind of, I mean, that looked. And I don't mean to make that the story because it's not. I'm just saying that I I didn't quite see all the nuances way up in my seat. What I hate is, I always hate speculating on a person's mental health. Right. Uh, You know, and and now I'm about to speculate on a person's mental health. In this case, it's very fair given everything he has said and done and and what everybody around him has said and done. But I saw a couple people mention that one issue that sometimes people have that are suffering from some sort of dementia is being touched when they're not expecting to be touched. Okay. So the fact that Vitel maybe touched his shoulder or whatever like that, he jolted back and reacted in that way. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. My take was that it was a, a playful kind of thing. I did – I'm not going to lie to you, Greg. I thought it was really odd um, that that was the reaction even in a playful way. But I, I have no idea. I, I think kind of the the big topic of that whole thing was – it was great to see Knight back, and it was great for the fans, and I think it was great for Bob if he really understood what was going on. But I think the the big topic was how much did he know what was going on? You know, how how much was that the Bob Knight that we've seen for the first seventy eight years of his life? Well, I will tell you that our, our Dana Benbo had a story. It's it's online right now. I know I tweeted it out today. Today's Tuesday. I tweeted it out so you can go to my page and find it. It's everywhere. I would hope, um, and not because of me. But she she got Todd Leary, the former Hoosier, who was there. She got to talk to him afterwards, and the opening scene that she paints, in really in Todd Leary's words, he, he spoke the night before the game and, and said, I love you, and Knight said, I love you right back, and, and Leary said at that moment, and he was being serious at that moment, and he obviously loves Bob Knight. He, mm-hmm. he came back for the reunion, and he told Bob Knight, I love you. Knight says, I love you back, and Leary's response to that, to Dana, was that's when I knew he that wasn't Bob Knight because he would never say, I love you back. He would never. He'd smack you on the head and he'd do something else, but he wouldn't say those words. So yeah, he's he's changed, and I there's a couple of factors, not fa- layers here. One is that we've been hearing, and you get the same tweets I get. Whenever you mention Bob Knight, maybe coming back to IU, nobody cares. You get that tweet from some idiot who thinks he speaks for everybody. Look, you don't care, and I'm sure you got some friends who don't care. Don't turn that into no people care. Yeah. Um, and so and and then the other layer to this is that yes, he he coached in a way that many could find objectionable, and I'm not saying you'd be wrong. He's got things in his background. He's said and done things we all know. But with a guy that old, that clearly fragile, that legendary to a fan base, comes back finally after 20 years, it's only time to celebrate. It, that's all it is. Yeah. Uh, you, you can. There's other times to write about who he was as a coach and blah, blah, blah. But on this day, that moment, even whatever happened with Vital. This was a it was it was healing for a lot of people, and that's the story. To yeah, me. It, it, the healing part of it, and that's what I focused on. Greg was I wasn't really, and this is uh, you know, was I, am I unsympathetic tonight when I say this? I don't know. Maybe it comes off that way. My focus was on the fans. That that's who deserved this. Yes. You know, I don't know if Knight really deserved to come back. Uh, Indiana had extended the olive branch time after time after time, and it had been repeatedly rejected over the last 20 years. I don't think IU owed anything to, to Bob Knight. I think Bob Knight owed this to the fans that needed that closure. And, no and, question. And the people that needed closure, uh, you know, I'm an IU alum, a former fan. I did not need closure. I'd moved on with my life. Um, but there were clearly people that needed that closure, and, and finally, I think they got it. And that's the older crowd, you know, and mm-hmm. and they and they're just like all older institutions; they're not going to last forever. But those folks really needed it, and good for them. They they matter. I realize there's people your age and younger, my age and younger, who who don't care, who are mad at them, who blah 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 blah. I get all that, but you don't speak for everybody. There's an entire generation or two older than you that most of them wanted that, and I think that's great. And 
my for me that my biggest takeaway, and this might be strange, but I, I I realize there's a fan base here. I realize there's a lot of people here to worry about and think about. My thing is, of course, we don't know what Bob Knight even thinks anymore. Mm-hmm. We just don't know. But my big thing is, here's an older guy that clearly has been hanging on to hate. I mean, he's hated IU. Yep. I hope all those people are dead sure. now. He's and that was, what, two or three years ago? It wasn't yeah. that long ago. I mean, he's held on to his hate, and he's either he's let it go one way or the other. It's gone. And I'm happy for him. I don't. I would hate just – and I don't know him. And the stories I've written about by night over the years, with the exception of the time I went looking for the cherry through, otherwise, when I was, in other words, when I was at CBS – and I was writing whatever I wanted, he was on my list, and I don't mean in a good way. So I've never been a, a Bonnet apologist, but I'm so happy for him and his family that he came back, because I would hate for him to just keep hanging on to that. There's no need. There's just, I mean, it's not healthy. How embarrassing is it for Indiana to play at that level, the current team, when there's so much emotion and energy in the building, the way that they played against Purdue? You know, I didn't even realize this. I'd forgotten this, and I realized playing Purdue is different than playing whoever Purdue played Four years ago, and Rick Mount came back. I want to say they played Minnesota, but I don't remember. And I, a reader, I, I tweeted out that story too. Like, hey, I was there for Knight's return. I was also there four years ago for Rick Mount's return. The, the two biggest prodigal sons in state history, and they both came back. And I didn't even read my story. I just tweeted out, "Here's what happened." I didn't even look at it. I, you know, I was there. But apparently, Purdue lost that game four years ago when Mount came back. Huh? And I, I don't remember that. No. I will tell you this: the Purdue building. And I'm not saying this for any reason other than just to give people, I don't know, uh, context. It was more emotional at Purdue than it was at IU. IU, I mean, IU was, it was almost, it wasn't tepid. But when he first came on the court, it was kind of, it was polite. It was a step above polite. I mean, I was there, okay? It was a step above polite. But it didn't last, the ovation didn't last very long. And it was just kind of, it was what you'd expect when a former coach comes back. But not that one. But then as the thing went on, as Bob Knight started screaming, play defense, the crowd, you could tell, they started falling in love again, and it got louder and more emotional. But it was never – when Rick Mount showed up at Purdue, the ovation lasted – I mean, it's still echoing in my ears. I mean, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. So the point is, there's a lot of emotion in the buildings. Purdue lost that game too. Granted, IU lost to Purdue, and that's not cool. Yeah, I just thought with the it being a rivalry game and with everything else – you know, Purdue's track record on the road, really a, a miracle comeback against Northwestern was the only road, uh, Big Ten road win at least. I know they beat Ohio, I think, earlier in the season. And to just get really outclassed by Purdue, I mean, that, that wasn't a game in the final couple of minutes. They, they kept them at arm's length seemingly the entire way. That's not a slight on Purdue. I think Purdue is, is starting to turn the corner. We're going to talk about that coming up a little bit later on. They are this, a tournament team. Yeah. They, they need to get in, but they are one. Yeah, and a week ago, you probably wouldn't have said that. I mean, really what they've done in the last week, bludgeoning Iowa and beating Northwestern and Indiana and a very interesting game tonight against Penn State. I'll be there. You know, that's that's what... I, I think is now kind of turned the corner for them. But um, you wonder if that collapse against Maryland is where Indiana's season gets off the rails because it's hasn't gone back on the rails since a four-game losing skid. Yeah, I, I hate to, and this is going to sound like I'm blaming all this on one guy, and I'm not. I, I'm not. But um, the team, the Hoosiers have a clear wild card, clear. Purdue has a couple of them, but Aaron Wheeler's been kind of missing most of the year. So you don't, he, he's almost not even a wild card anymore. He's just been missing. He's coming back. And he came back against IU. But IU's got one guy. One guy that if he's really good, they're going to be hard to beat. And at home, you're almost not going to beat him mm-hmm. at home. If he's really bad, they're not beating anybody. And that guy's Devontae Green. Yep. And because he's that good. I mean, he's that capable of being that good that if he's on, you're in trouble if you're the other team. Because you can't stop him. I mean, he's. I've said this for years. 
I don't know that he's an NBA player because of his issues, and I mean his issues on the court, but he's got NBA talent. And if, if that NBA talent comes out, you can't stop him. But he was terrible against Purdue. I think one for seven, three points. And they, they can't win if he does that. They just can't do it. They don't have enough help on the perimeter. Was that the uh, – I don't think you were here when Tom Crean had the number one seed team with no. Oladipo and Zeller. That, that was about a year or two before you got to Indianapolis. But somebody t- tweeted me um, after that game, it feels like this was his Syracuse game. And, and what we talk about at the time was you knew – and Tom Crean has a much better track record than Archie Miller. But it felt like when Crean's team with 4,000-point scores lost – and really got outclassed by Syracuse in that Sweet 16 in 2013. You felt like that was as far as they were ever going to get with Tom Crean. Gotcha. Um, so, loose comparison aside here, was that Purdue game maybe the time where the last of the Archie Miller defenders said, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't seem to be getting any better? You know, the, the Knight thing is part of the reason why we're saying this, I'm sure, is that, that with all the attention, all the emotion, Bob Knight's in the building, and that's what you looked like, that's I'm sure that's part of why some people would say what you're saying, not all of it, um, but it's also why some people, including me, would say I don't I don't know if you can even go there yet because that game was so weird. Night coming back, I guess I mean again you lose to Purdue, people remember that. Like I, like I said, I was there for the Mount game. I'd forgotten they lost. I don't even know who they played. You don't forget when you lose to Purdue. It's different. Um, having said that, I, I just don't know if that night, those circumstances. I'm, I'm not sure this is the one. I, I mean it might be. Especially if they fall off a cliff and go, you know, two and nine the rest of the year, then yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know if that's. I'm not. I'm not willing to say that yet. No, because the night was just too crazy. If they miss the tournament, um, well, they're missing the tournament. Like I, I don't think they're not getting it. I don't think Archie Miller is going to be fired after three years. But if you miss the tournament in year three, it's just it's unacceptable. It's not hard to make the NCAA tournament. There are going to be a lot of mediocre teams that make the NCAA tournament, just like every year. Um, and in the Big Ten, you have umpteen chances for quality wins. Yes, it's a tough league, but you've got a million chances. Like, look at Purdue. Purdue's lost 10 games, but I think they're going to be an NCAA tournament team just because they've got enough wins to kind of get them by. And the bubble's very, very yeah, soft. I, I just think, you know, we, we can sit here and blame Crean for the upperclassmen or whatever else. At, at this point, Archie Miller's got to show something, and he's shown nothing. Uh, the program hasn't gotten any better since he's gotten there. No, and there's a couple factors here that make it really interesting, and one of them is Fred Glass is leaving, and Fred's the guy that hired him, and Fred's been a guy that we've seen. it. He did it with Crean. He did it with Kevin Wilson. He did it with Tom Allen when he some people might have been eager to get rid of I mean, not, not after two years. I mean, not that he was fireable, but he, he believed in Tom Allen. You see where that went um, in a good way. Fr- Fred believes in continuity, and he damn sure does believe in firing a guy after three years, or probably even four if you gave him a five-year contract. But Fred won't be here. After year four, I don't think Archie's in trouble right now, no matter what happens. But Fred's resigning, retiring, mm-hmm. someone's replacing him. I think year four for Archie is absolute make or break. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, no, oh, there's no question. Because there's a yeah. new AD, yeah. right, and you're not tied to him, and the buyout will be as reasonable as a buyout can be. So that's one factor here. The other factor here, and I mean, I, I don't know if this feels fair, but my God, look how good Dayton is. Mm-hmm. You know, Archie, and one reason why I love the hire of Archie, and one is because I've known him since 1997. I mean, I like him, and I've known, I covered him for the Charlotte Observer when he was a player, so I like him, and I certainly don't root ill will against him at all. But one reason I really loved him as a hire was not just because I knew him, but because he was so good at Dayton, and his teams were so tough, and that was great. But but now he's gone, and Dayton's actually better. And I'm not saying he was holding him back. That's not my point. My point is. Dayton is, they always say you want to have the best job in a conference. That Coaches want the best job in a conference. Mm-hmm. They'd rather be coaching a, like a Dayton than have the ninth best co- job in the Big Ten because you can't win there. You're going to get fired. Dayton, 
Well, Dane's the best job in that conference. And you look at all the guys that have won there. Brian Greggy leaves for Georgia Tech. You know, Paul Hewitt left for wherever he – or I think Paul Hewitt. But um, Anth, Grant's there now. They've had guys go on to better jobs. And Archie Miller goes – but I, I just wonder if the Dayton thing is skewed maybe just how ready he was for this job. That's my point. Yeah, it's a little like Butler where you've had guys move on. You know, Barry Collier takes the Nebraska job, which is the, you know – 10th best job in the Big 12 at the time or you have Licklider take the Iowa job which is the 8th best job in the Big 10 and and obviously both of those guys didn't have great results there Um, and I think it's another example to kind of swing this back to Purdue because I'm sure Purdue fan listeners are like why aren't you talking about the boys it's the luxury that Purdue has when you have Matt Painter because every time it seems like there's a valley with Purdue Every time there is a put-up or shut-up time in Purdue's season, they respond, don't they? Yeah. I mean, it just feels like the last couple of years. Remember, they struggled out of the gates in 14-15 and turned their season around in January. Um, a couple of years ago, they went out and played in a preseason tournament and lost to, I think, Western Kentucky and Tennessee. And you thought, what the hell is this? What's up with this team? And then they rattled off like 20 wins in a row. Um, and I think that 11-0 run at Northwestern, we're going to look back on that as – the point where Purdue saved their season. Because if they lose that game, they're probably done. I mean, they're 500 at that point, and you just lost to the worst team in the Big Ten. And look, they still have an uphill climb here. Penn State's very good. That's coming to Mackey tonight. And they've got some tough games remaining, but I I think Purdue has stabilized itself, whereas it feels like Indiana last year and now this year, they get in this valley, they dig themselves this hole, and they can't get out. Well, there's two things with Matt Painter that he does, and we could argue in both cases that Archie Miller hasn't shown that yet at IU. Of course, Matt's been at Purdue a lot longer, but Painter's teams are always the most mentally tough team on the court, and maybe they're tied. Maybe whoever they're playing is mentally tough, too, and they're, they're both just very tough, but Painter's teams, you will never say they were listless. They came out flat. Mm-hmm. They didn't seem to care. They weren't taught. You don't say that about Painter's teams ever, ever, but the other thing is his players year to year get better. Now, Aaron Wheeler has regressed this year, but he's coming back, but you know, that's almost the exception that proves rule. You get, Painter gets his hands on the guy, and he's better every year. At IU, a fan, I don't know if you've heard about this, but a fan was telling Archie the other night at, at, on his radio show or wherever he does. I saw the article, yeah. Yeah, we had an article mm-hmm. story in the Star about that. The fan said, your team was listless and out of it, and they weren't talking. They didn't look like they cared. And Archie's like, I need to have you come talk to the team. I tell them that, and I'm not sure they listen to me. You tell them that. In other words, Archie's admitting, yeah, my team mentally soft. Mm-hmm. And and also then then the you talk about the do guys get better and some guys do for sure but and I hate to keep bringing him up like it's his fault but it's not but Devontae Green's no better than he was mm-hmm. he he gets he gets more minutes but you can't look at Al Durham Al, Al Durham I thought was going to be really good this year and it's just Justin off Smith a I mean I mean all these guys you know, right you know you, they're all you the keep same waiting. guy oh Justin Smith here's here's the big explosion Duran, here Duran and Davis, my God he's had health issues Duran Davis waiting has had health. But all those young guys, Race Thompson, who's had health issues too, but he's the same guy he was. He'll, he'll always be the same guy he is, which is he better come in and set a few screens and then get out because that's all he can do. And I just think that Purdue, Greg, has an identity. You know they're going to defend the hell out of you. You, you know they're going to hustle. You know they're going to rebound. That has been the, the, the pillars of Purdue basketball for you know spanning my lifetime for the last 50 years, really. Indiana has no identity. You have no idea who they are. The names and faces change at Purdue, but Painter has built a culture there where everybody, all the pieces fit. You know, you have the balding guy in, in Bordeaux. Uh, Boudreaux, you've got uh, Harms, the big seven-footer. 
um, you know, Sasha Stefanovic and, and guys like that that have come through, like Dakota Mathias. Um, you have those bulldog guards like Eric Hunter. Uh, it just, the pieces seem to fit. And with Indiana, it's just kind of a jumbled mess where they have talent, but it, it just doesn't gel and it's not cohesive. Well, there's a couple things about, about this that you're saying. One is, and it compares to IU with Purdue, is that Painter goes out of his way every year. We know this. He, he wants to bring in at least one shooter every class. And on theory, everybody, you know, in theory, yeah, we all want shooters, but it's different. Painter goes out and gets a guy. He doesn't care where they are on the recruiting listings, doesn't care what star rank they are. He wants a guy that he knows can shoot. Sasha Stevanovich, if you remember, Grant Galen was the star in their high school team. Mm-hmm. Grant Galen. Uh, not that he was, anyway. So Sa- Sasha was the other guy, and, and not a big-name recruit, but Purdue went and got uh, Purdue. Painter goes and does that. He gets one guy. And what does IU miss? Has always missed. Shooters. And But IU always recruits at the higher end of the recruiting you know, buffet, whether it's Kareen or Archie Miller, they go out and get a guys that are, you know, four stars and ranked in the top 100. They just can't shoot. And I guess, and, and as I said earlier, they're, no one's getting better. They're not getting taught how to shoot. I mean, even Romeo before, of course, Romeo had the issue with the wrist. That's not fair to bring that up. I, I apologize for that. He had the issue. So we didn't know, we didn't know about that at the time, but in real time, but so Purdue does that. They always have shooters, but even if they don't have shooters, even if like Aaron Wheeler was going to be their guy this year, no jail Eastern, we thought would give them more offensively. Matt Harms, we thought would give them a lot more offensively. Purdue's not a team where you where you where you say, but but who's going to give them points? You don't even care because they got everything else going for them, and as long as just somebody scores, they're yeah. beating you. Yeah, and they just kind of find a way. And yeah. Indiana seems to repeatedly not do that. Um, we've got big Pacers and Colts stuff to talk about. Haven't we even spent, gotten into spent the it. first twenty minutes on Indiana Purdue, but I, I felt like there was just so much from Saturday, both from a Purdue stamp. I, I really like what you said in your column where you know it, it with Purdue. I'm paraphrasing here. One team obviously is ascending while another team is sliding. Well, I said, and, well, yeah, and you one saw team that. improved its resume and yeah. the other team didn't. But, um, yeah, I love the fact that we spent – we're about to move on, but I love the fact that we gave Purdue their due here. Mm-hmm. We didn't just talk about Bob Knight and maybe some IU stinks and then Purdue, by the way, at the end. Because they just don't deserve that. They don't deserve it from us. They don't deserve it from anybody. Um, but I understand why they're very sensitive. I mean, I get it. Listen, yeah. I get it. When you're, when you're the quote-unquote other school – and you see the media treating you that way, it's tough. Over 30 years, it's tough. Four straight at Assembly Hall. I don't care how good or bad Indiana is. Four straight wins at Assembly Hall is something that I, I think only one other program has done. I mean, that, that's incredible. Since Bob Knight retired, Purdue's had the best coach in the state. You know, And that's been yeah. 30 years or 20 years. I mean, mm-hmm. they, Purdue's had the best coach. Whoever the coach was, they got the best coach in the state. And that's and Matt's still young. Purdue's got all these these game notes. Chris Foreman does a great job with, with pregame notes. And they got one note that Painter is for for the under whatever his age is under 55 under whatever he is he's got as many wins as anybody for certain the point being is that painter's not going anywhere like they got yeah. easy 10 years at it because he lives a low stress life as far as i can tell he certainly coaches in a low stress way you don't look at him and say yeah but he's gonna burn out no he's not i mean that guy could be around till he's 75 yeah I mean, maybe and he's just the perfect fit there perfect really is. And, and they've done i'm glad that they've had these deep tournament runs because that was the thing that people were holding against him was hey why have you done this why have you done that in march he's and now three straight three sixteens and an, an elite i mean they were on the doorstep they could have very easily been a national champion last year that's how close they were and painters so much more appreciated by everybody including including a portion of his fan base when he has a team like this than he is when he has a team that's really really good because that's when people kind of get greedy. Yeah, but he can't get to the Final Four. Yeah, but there's no yeah buts on a team like this, and you realize the guy's special. I mean, winning, and they don't have chicken bleep. But they have people on their roster, but they, this team will be in the tournament. Yeah. 
and you'd look on, on, on paper in the preseason, they had no business. It's not Hummel, Moore, and Johnson, or Haas, Matthias, Edwards, Swanigan. Right. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a decent group, but it's it's certainly not a level of All-Americans and, and future NBA players. Not one. Um, let's talk Colts. This Rivers thing, really the quarterback speculation has been going on now for, for weeks and weeks, and it will continue. Uh, but now that we know Phillip Rivers is the first domino to fall, he officially will not be with his former team next year. Brady um, either. Though. Well, Brady, okay, Brady hasn't gone quite that far, but he's on the open market. There's two yeah, that have fallen. and Tannehill. And, I mean, there are other guys that are probably going to be on the open market, but this guy, Rivers is the first who definitely will be on the open market. And he's got a right connection. Yeah, that's right. Sirianni and Reich, who he played three seasons with, 23, uh, 2013, 14, and 15, was very successful. But 38 years old. Everyone's linking him to the Colts. In fact, they're the second Vegas betting odds favorite behind the Buccaneers, oddly enough. Colts are plus 150 if you want to throw your money on them. Um, I know we've talked about this on the podcast, Greg, before, but you are shut off to the idea of bringing in another stopgap, if you will, sort of quarterback, correct? Well, uh, sort of, but about the reason why Tampa Bay makes sense, two reasons. Bruce Arians is a quarterback coach, and Rivers has already moved his family to Florida. And Tampa Bay is actually on the right, the correct side of Florida because Rivers is from Alabama. So, you know, the panhandle and whatnot. So, um, Tampa Bay makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and they clearly want a quarterback. Jameis is not, the, I mean, I think. So, I, I'm not confused at all why Tampa Bay would be, be number one. Um, and as I've already said, uh, I just like this. <laughs> I covered Archie at NC State. Guess, you, guess who the quarterback was as a freshman my first year at NC State, covering NC State? Phillip Rivers. Oh, yeah. He was the quarterback. Yeah. He was my guy for three years there, and I really liked. I mean, I really I liked Archie, but how you know we all know Archie. He's a little bit. I mean, you you can't know him that well. Mm -hmm. Philip Rivers is oh golly gosh, open book. I loved Philip Rivers, loved him, and I guarantee you this. And I say this only about Philip, not about me, not about me. I guarantee you, if he gets back up and back here, he'll remember me, and not again, not because of me, because that's the type of person he is. That's who he is, yeah. and he's just a great guy. So. Then you factor in, and I really, because I'm just stupid, when I was, I'm, I'm against stop gaps, and I didn't think Rivers would make a lot of sense either. Um, I hadn't until in the last couple of days, hadn't thought about, but wait a minute, Sirianni, you know, worked, they're, they're, he'll know the system somewhat. Um, so anyway, I, I don't know. What I like is, I like the Colts thinking they need a better quarterback than they have. I like that a lot. I like if they think there's a guy in the draft they're going to get, go get him. But given that free agency happens before that, um, if you're not sure, then go get this guy. The problem is, is that if they get Rivers, and he's not lasting long, we know that. If they get Rivers and they go nine and seven, which is a good problem to have, but then next year they're picking twentieth. That you know, I don't know if that's really what you want to do. You're not trying to win this little three five k sprint here. You're trying to win a marathon. Yeah. I just don't know. And I love Philip Rivers. I'm just not sure that's the right move. Yeah. Do you really want to win eight games again? Because what does it really? At the end of the day, what does it do? Um, you want to win eight games if uh, Bryce Love or whatever that kid's name from Utah yeah, State. Yeah, Jordan Love. Jordan yep. Love, right? Uh, Bryce Love played for Oregon. That's what I do with names. I do that with Bobby Hoying, Brian Hoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want to win eight games with a with a rookie quarterback. Mm. You do. You don't want to win eight games with Philip Rivers. Yeah. No, I just don't. And what are you going to have to pay him? Because, you know, there are a couple of things here. If the Colts are going to get Rivers, they're going to have to trade Brissett for whatever a team is going to give for him. I don't know, a fifth rounder or something like that. Because if they if they trade him before, I think it's March 22nd, they save something like $16 million on the cap. His, his roster bonus is already guaranteed. Now, the Colts have a lot of money to play with. They have the most cap space in the league, so it's not like they're strapped. But there would be no reason to keep Brissett at whatever it is, $18 million, and then pay Rivers whatever he's going right. to command, $20 million plus. 
Um, but at 38 years old, that, that's not – you know, we've seen Breeze. We've seen a lot of guys play well into their late 30s. I'm not – I don't think Rivers is quite on that tier, but he's – to me, I think he's a Hall of Famer. At the very least, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. And two years ago, Greg, he had a fantastic year, 32 touchdowns, 13 picks. Uh, the Chargers were very nearly the number one seed in the AFC. So I don't know if just because he had a bad season last year that suddenly Rivers is toast. Uh, I don't I don't know if I think that. Um, it, it really kind of – this is going to sound like a cop-out answer. It depends on what else the Colts are planning to do. If they're planning on – not drafting a quarterback until the third round, then Rivers makes a lot of sense. But if you're going to trade up or use number 13 on a quarterback, I think you probably just play that guy. Um, yeah, Just I, my take on it. A couple things about this. I'm trying to find out, you know, Rivers, how far off a cliff has he fallen. But the thing with Rivers is that I don't know that he's going to get $20 million. I, I, I just I don't know who, who would do that. Who would pay him that kind of money, given his age, given that he's he's not what he was, Given all that, why I'm not sure he's 20 million. I'm not sure he well, is. Well, it's basically just the going rate for quarterbacks. I mean, Brissett was, I think, the 19th highest paid, and he made 18 million last year. Yeah, I mean, and I guess the fact that there might be a team or two driving up the price, I guess. Um, you know, Rivers clearly is about at this point in his life and his career, he's about family happiness. He's already mm-hmm. before anything happened with the, with the Chargers, he was already moving his family to Florida. He's trying to get closer to his wife's family, his family in Alabama, and all that. He's clearly about things beyond money. In football, um, which certainly beyond money. So I, I wonder if, and he's, I don't know how much he's made, but a fortune, clearly. Enough that he could spend in this lifetime. So, And I'm not saying he'd come f- to the Colts for the veterans minimum or whatever, but I just don't, I, you know, if he wants to play with Nick Sirianni, it probably comes down to this. How close were he and Nick? How much does he like Nick? Because Phillip's going to pick a team based on a lot of factors, and maybe he's going to pick it on Super Bowl, but I don't think a legit Super Bowl contender, A, exists that is a quarterback away. And B, that one that team doesn't exist if they're a 39-year-old quarterback away. So I don't know that he's going to go somewhere where he can really win a Super Bowl. I don't know if that – I mean, he might. He might come here and be hot and win one here. But on paper, there's no fit for him where he's going to say, yeah, well, that's where we can win a Super Bowl. No, it's going to come down to something else. And I wonder if Sirianni's at something else. Yeah, and, and Reich, because former offensive coordinator, so there's a connection there. And, and like I said, 13, 14, 15, he had three of the best seasons of his career. Wait, so, Re- so Reich was, was his OC ago. in San Diego? Yeah, at the same time. So Reich was the OC and Sirianni was his position coach. He was okay. the quarterback coach. You know, I, I, I keep forgetting, I've written about this about Reich, but I keep forgetting that besides Philadelphia, he was in San Diego for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, I, it's hard. I'm not even saying, again, I've already said, I'm not sure I, I think this should happen for the Colts' sake, but it's kind of hard to imagine – or it's very easy to imagine it happening, given all the connections and blah, blah, blah. But I just, as I've said, I don't think that the, the Colt, I mean, you get a stopgap guy if, if that guy is super and you win a Super Bowl with him. I just don't think Rivers is the guy at this age. And I love Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think everything's on the table for the Colts, so nothing would surprise me at this point. But I, I would still lean towards them going young and... Okay, so drafting one and just throwing them into the fire because well, I, I don't think winning eight or nine games does anything for you. There's three year. options here. Rank them in order of likelihood. Their options is Jacoby. Their option is a rookie. Their option is Philip Rivers. In likelihood, what do you see happening on opening day? Uh, I think the most likely scenario is jeez, oh, that's a really good question. I don't know how they get away with this, but I've always felt this way. I think it's going to be Brissett as the opening day starter in September with a rookie as the backup. That's that's what I think it's going to be. That's me too. I, I think yeah. the, I think it's hard to say actually between rookie and Brissett because I think they compete for the job. And tra- I, I, what mm-hmm. I think happens is they have a rookie and they have Jacoby, and that's what I think happens. And 
and Jacoby might beat him out, but that's what I think happens. Now, that's that's not what I would do. I'm just telling you what I think the Colts would do. What would you do? What I would do is just throw them into the fire. I know a lot of people say, uh, oh, draft, you, a, draft you, a rookie okay. and throw them into the fire. I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, um, David Carr and Houston and, you know, uh, Jeff George here. You know, you throw these guys to the Wolves and then they're never able to mentally recover. Um, I... I don't think you can play scared when it comes to that stuff. Well, and I'm not sure that's happened. The, the examples you mentioned are 10 years old or more. No, you're right. And Carson Palmer, yeah. they gave him a year off in Cincinnati. Look how that turned out. And and Brett Favre, I don't think he had to play. And Aaron Rodgers maybe had a year off. Yep. But all these examples are a long, long time ago. Nowadays, rookies get drafted. And even if you're Gardner Minshew and you're not drafted to play, you play anyway. Yeah. And you play just fine. The game has gotten so much easier. And it's not easy, but it's so much easier for quarterbacks, given how defenders can cover you, given how nasty offenses are now. They're just ahead of the defense. They just are. So, yeah, I, I don't think you draft a rookie and then say, we're going to sit you. No, not not behind Jacoby. Took us 30 minutes, but I, I guess we got to talk about how much the Pacers stink right now. Oof. Ugh. Ugh. Awful. You know, I was uh, – the, the night that Oladipo announced his return date was going to be January 29th, whatever that was. That was a month before. I was at the Pacers game that night because Oladipo was talking. And, again, this is, go- this is a month before he came back. Um, and me and Jay Michael did a video after the game, whoever they played that night, whoever they won or lost to, I don't remember. I just remember this saying, and I'm not smarter than anybody else. I'm just, I just want to, I want people to understand we all knew this was happening. I told Jay Michael, when Old Depot comes back, they're going to take a step back. And it, I mean, it's obvious. You don't add a guy that important coming off that injury in midseason to a roster where he doesn't know hardly anybody. And mm-hmm. the two guys he knows, Sabonis and Turner, he doesn't know them as playing on the court together. He doesn't know anything about this team. They're going to take a big step back. The The risk will be, are they better in March? Because they're not going to be better in February. And that's happening right now. So on the one hand, man, is it ugly and awful and scary and all these things. On the other hand, this was always going to happen. So it's almost like a stock uh, that, that you don't really want to touch for three, four months. You don't freak out when it drops a little bit. You don't, you, you're hoping that, yeah, it drops now, but man, it's going to skyrocket in three months. And the season ebbs and flows anyway. So, you know, generally you have now, I, I can't remember the last time the Pacers have been this bad at home. And and what troubles me, Greg, is that these this isn't great competition. I mean, no. Toronto's very good. The Knicks are terrible. The Nets the, without Kyrie? Yeah, yeah the, the Bulls, what? the Bulls who they should have lost to, are terrible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Doncic lists Mavs, who they right. lost to. And then the, the Pelicans brought nobody here. They brought, like, their split squad team here, and you lost to them. No Zion or, or Ingram. Ingram. Ugh. Yeah, so I at think that, that's what's most troubling to me and yes yeah. you know Warren has been in and out and, and Oladipo coming back I get all of that but I, I I expected the Pacers to have a little bit of a rocky transition here I didn't expect them to go you know one in six in the seven games especially considering that they were at home and the, and the teams that they were facing but I'm, I'm with you I'm not going to write off anything um but I am concerned and we've done this the last couple of years and, and this is kind of what I I tempered expectations with when people were saying in December, oh, this Pacers team, they're going to be even better when Oladipo gets back. And watch out for the Pacers. They're a contender. We do this every year in this town where in December or January we're talking about the Pacers being contenders and then in March and April they're first-round fodder again. And I just don't want this team to peak Christmas like they've done the last couple of years. Yeah, if you're looking for a bright side, one bright side is Oladipo's shot is coming around. I'm not saying it's great, but I mean, it was so bad his first like four games. He was so bad. His last couple games from three is coming around. I think last night was like five for 14, wasn't great. But from three, he was better. Um, so that's slowly coming back. What troubled me from last night's box scores, I'm following it from home and I'm reading the box score at the end of every quarter. At halftime, he had the fifth or sixth most shots in the team. He took like four shots in the first half and played as many minutes or more than everybody else. And he finally got his shots up late. But I was thinking, is he starting, is he starting to get timid? Is he starting to get 
are teammates mad? Are they freezing him out? I mean, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I thought that he went from a guy that was shooting a shot every minute to get his rhythm back to a guy that you're all, you're barely shooting now. So it's just one game, but it's one game against the damn Nets. Yeah. So that that was problematic. But again, I'm going to go back to until I have to switch courses. I'm going to go back to we all knew this was going to be rocky. We all knew it was, and this this whole thing really can't be judged until the playoffs start. Granted, if they go one and 22 between now and then I think we can judge it pretty good but it's just a little bit early yeah I'm trying to get more of a sample size in seven games in two weeks because that's essentially what we have here um let's I wanted to fit this in congratulations yes. to uh Tamika Ketchings Women's Basketball Hall of Fame soon to be Naismith Hall of Fame I would think and and somebody who I think we should really talk about more in this town because you know maybe outside of Peyton Manning but I, I would put her up there um she arguably is the greatest women's basketball player ever and we've been lucky enough to have her in this town for the better part of the last 20 years. Right, she's on that list and 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 beyond that, you know, when when I think of Tamika right now, but certainly when I think of her 10 15 years from now, what's going to matter to me more than anything is what she does around here. And it's not, you know, it's and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's it's easier for guys for men, NFL players, NBA players because they have so much money. Mm-hmm. It's easier for them to kind of throw money at stuff and and raise money because of their name. I mean, it's just easier. But Tamika, so she's not out there with a you know hundred million dollars in her bank account and also helping. She's out whatever she's made. We just know they don't make what she's still out there doing her stuff when, rather than chasing money somewhere else because she needs to chase it more than Peyton Manning ever mm-hmm. did. And I love Peyton. So I, I just the thing she does little stuff. She she reads to kids. I mean little bitty stuff which to me matters so much more than the big stuff. She's a wonderful human being. And oh by the way, on the Mount Rushmore, the best basketball players of all time. So you're right. In our city's history, we've had Peyton. You know we've had luck, and I love him. Uh, we've Reggie Miller, Reggie yep. Miller, Tamika. We've had those are the four, I guess. I, I, maybe I'm thinking leaving somebody out, but those are the four. No, and and you know Reggie, as much as he's beloved here, when Reggie left, he left. You know what I mean? Right. He, he still loves Indiana, and Indiana loves Reggie. But Reggie's gone, and he's been gone. Tamika's still here, right? And I, I think that's the difference between her and and pretty much everybody else on this list. Even though luck is apparently. You know, pushing a stroller around Zionsville right now somewhere. I so. love that. I love him <laughs> so much. So I'm intrigued by this. Um, Cloverdale, you've got a column coming up on. Is that right? I got two coming up I'm really excited about. One of them is the 1930 Washington Hatchets. The first, we all know Christmas Attics was the first um, all black state champion mm-hmm. in U.S. history. The first integrated state champion in U.S. history, happened 25 years earlier in Washington, Indiana. I did not know that. No, you didn't. And you don't know the name of the, the black star they had. I do not. And listen, I'm an Indiana basketball junkie. Since I got here, I've been trying to learn the state as much as I can. I've been all over the state writing stories. His name is David DeJournet. I'd never heard of him. I mean, you could have given me like a multiple choice. Hey, who was the guy watching? You could have given me four names. He'd been one of them. I, I, may, I may have circled the letter by his name at luck, but I wouldn't have picked it. Mm-hmm. David DeJournet is an unbelievable story. And... uh that story runs in about a week. And then, yeah, I was at Cloverdale yesterday. I'm writing about a barber. Um, but And there's a basketball somewhere in that. There's a, there's just enough there to justify it being a sports story. But the entire town of Cloverdale will know who I'm writing about. And then whoever reads it will go, oh, okay, I see why you're writing about him. It's just one of those things I like to do. Just He's retiring soon. And honestly, and this sounds weird, but I don't care. I was told he's retiring. I was told he lost his wife a couple years ago. I was told he doesn't really know what's going on. You know, he's 80-something. He's a little bit down. It'd really get, be a nice pick-me-up if you'd write about him in the star. I'm like, sold. Awesome. I showed up at his office yesterday, and and I thought he knew who I was because I walked in. He was cutting someone's hair, and he kind of smiles at me and says, 
I think I I think I know why you're here. And so at this point, I think he knows exactly why I'm there. So um, then he, then I finally I say, well, okay, that's fine. You do your business. I'm not going to talk to you right now. I'm just going to sit over here. And then I thought, no, that's weird. So I hopped up and said, okay, I'll tell you real quick. I'm Greg Doyle with IndyStar. He shakes my hand. And then he goes, um, I got to tell you, I, I, I'm i not interested. I went, oh, no, you, you're you not? Because I'm thinking we're talking about a story. Yeah. Oh, no, you're not? And he goes, no, I, I canceled my subscription about six months ago. And <laughs> and uh, I just, you know, I'm selling the shop here. And I stopped him. I said, I'm not here to sell you paper. He goes, you're not? I said, no, I'm here to write about you. He goes, oh, well, have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew him looking at your head. You weren't in for a haircut. That's so, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, I, was, I was thinking, I'm going to go in this guy's office, get a haircut, and not tell him who I am, and that'll yeah. be part of the story. And then I realized, I can't do that. I don't, I'm bald. Uh, so you can check all that out. Uh, Cloverdale and more. Uh, the Bob Knight story, which was great from Saturday as well. IndyStar.com, the IndyStar app. You can also go to the Greg Doyle link. And our podcast is available, iTunes and more. Um, you can always check that out. And I promise we'll get more regular on this now that all the vacations and holidays and all that stuff is over. Our new podcast name, Metamucil. <laughs> Thanks so much, Greg. We'll see you next week. I apologize for that. <laughs> Bye. Good way to end. Yeah.